Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on episode five of In Flight Snack, Dwayne Brown returned to practice and Corey Davis unexpectedly retired from the NFL. We'll have more on that, plus a full recap of episode three of Hard Knocks and a whole lot more coming up right after this on In Flight Snack. Stay tuned. up the sea fires caught touchdown Garrett Wilson scores Rodgers does this better than anybody end zone Cobb touchdown unbelievable Rodgers going end zone Lazard he's got it for the touchdown Looking downfield, leaves a bomb for Davis. Sauce Gardner's there, and it's knocked away. Sauce Gardner in position on Gabe Davis, knocks it away, and the Jets are going to take a knee and win it. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Rami Lavi, and what an interesting time to be doing this. So just a little backstory. If you don't know, I, I told my backstory a little bit on the first episode. You can go back and listen. I work at WFAN. I produce Yankee games on the fan. I just got home, and it just reminds you what a superstar does for a team. The Yankees are playing some of the worst baseball of my lifetime. In fact, they hadn't lost nine games in a row, which they were coming off a nine-game losing streak. And they hadn't done that since 1982, which is 15 years before I was even thought of as an item or anything. And so the fact that they were that bad and playing that poorly, and then the f- calls we were fielding after the Yankee game on WFAN tonight were all positive. Why? Because a bunch of people went to a ballpark and paid a bunch of money. And you know what they saw? They got their money's worth. They saw a superstar in Aaron Judge only an hour after their general manager came out in front of the media and said, this season has been an absolute disaster. Their superstar gets up there and he hits three home runs, including a grand slam. And he shows you what superstars do. And the thought is that now the Jets have one of those. They have their superstar. Aaron Rodgers and that's why it's so special to have a guy like that so I was thinking about it on the train home and I was thinking about that exactly I was thinking about Aaron Judge and Aaron Rodgers and the connection between the two and what I do and I like to connect my personal life to this podcast if I can not get too personal but just connect stories that you can relate to that you hear that story and you say wow that's crazy this could be something that happens for my team I was talking to my friend Dexter Henry, who's one of our hosts, and he hosts on SNY as well. And we were talking about the different things, how often the Jets have had expectations and how rare it's been that those Jets fans tend to cling to these 
expectations, when there are expectations, when something small goes our way, Jet fans tend to cling to it. And so this offseason, hard knocks, everything that's happened this year for the New York Jets, it makes sense. I understand why people are so obsessed and so into it and are hyping them up and talking them up. Do I think this Jets team is going to win Super Bowl in year one of Aaron Rodgers? No. The goal is to be the Bucks of 2020, to be, I don't know, the Rams of 2022 or 2021, to be the Broncos, whatever year that was, 2015 or 16. That's the goal. Do I believe it will happen? Probably not. Odds are stocked against, stacked against you. There's 31 other teams. There's a Patrick Mahomes in your conference. There's a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen in your conference. If you make it as far as the Super Bowl, you have to face Kyle Shanahan's offense with the 49ers defense. Or Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts could have been MVP last year or anyone else. So yeah, odds are they won't win. But to think that they have a chance, to think that it's certainly possible... That's why we do this. That's why we talk about the team. That's why they're on hard knocks, which we'll get to a little bit later. That's why everything. That's why we're sports fans in the first place. So I understand if you're a Jets fan, you want to be excited right now. You should be because it's an exciting time and we don't have a ton of those. So before I get into the full hard knocks episode, because I have have my notes here, have them written down. And so I'm going to be going back to some of those. But before we get into that, two new stories from today for the New York Jets. Number one, and I guess by the time you hear this, it's yesterday. Uh, So we're talking about Wednesday. So today's Thursday. But two new stories from Wednesday. Number one happened earlier in the day. Dwayne Brown reported to practice for the first time off the PUP list and back at practice. What does that mean for the Jets offensive line? I'm not sure yet. I don't think we'll know because he's not going to play in game for a little bit. I don't think he'll be ready for week one. But it seems like everything we've talked about with his offensive line and everything Rodgers and Salah and everyone has talked about is continuity, continuity, consistency, having the same people together on a daily basis. And that means having AVT and Becton, if you're going to be on the right side at tackle and guard, Becton at tackle, AVT at guard on the right side, have that every week, have the consistency, have that every day in practice. And it seems like that's what they're doing. Dwayne Brown's going to come back and play the left side and protect Aaron Rodgers' blind side. Hey, I hope he's healthy. I hope he's the Dwayne Brown we thought we were getting when the Jets brought him in initially. He's older. It's tough to rely on him. But when he was great, he was a really great player. And Rodgers knows and trusts his veterans. So having him back at practice is huge because it means he's going to be part of that continuity, even if he's not in-game immediately. So that's a big deal for the Jets' offensive line. One of the biggest question marks going into the season was and is remains the Jets offensive line. You could have all the weapons in the world. You could have the run game. You could have the running backs. You could have Nicole Hardman on quick slants and end arounds and all those different things and screen passes and Garrett Wilson, who's a huge game changer and a difference maker in the secondary. But if Rodgers doesn't have time to get the ball out, if Rodgers is running for his life back there, Dexter Henry mentioned something. He talked about the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen, most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. But when he was running for his life in that Super Bowl against the Bucs, there was nothing he could do. He made some incredible plays in that game. But they still couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't win that game. They couldn't score. Because at some point, 
the quarterback's got to have time back there. And he's got to be able to stand in the pocket. First down, cool. You did a gimmicky throw. Second down, you ran the ball for five yards. But there's going to be a third and five, a third and ten in crucial spots in a football game. And if the defense can just pin their ears back and go after you and know that no one's stopping you, it's impossible to play quarterback in that situation. So Dwayne Brown returning to practice is a big deal for the Jets, but it needs to be a big deal. It needs to be significant in order for this Jets team to go far. Now, the other thing was Corey Davis. I was on the subway and I didn't have service. I was in and out of service on the train. And then I kind of saw it when I was at one stop. I saw the headline, Corey Davis retired. And I got out. I was going to do a walk and talk video when I was walking from the train to WFAN, but I'm so not that. Maybe I should get better at that because if I'm trying to do this for a living, maybe I should get better at the holding the phone, walking the street. Yo, guys, crazy news just dropped. I'm practicing. Corey Davis just announced his retirement from the NFL. Big reaction coming later tonight on the podcast. Stay tuned. I don't know. How was it? Tell me in the comments. Sound off below. (laughs) It's another thing those people say. But yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big story. Because this is a guy who was, what, two years into a four-year contract? A guy who was talked about in the offseason, talked about in trades. He didn't quite live up to the contract. But the first two years he was here, his quarterbacks were... Zach Wilson, Mike White, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, well-documented, Chris Trevler. So I don't know how much we can blame a Corey Davis for not living up to his potential. He had some big games here. And there was a very telling, and we'll get to this a little bit later when we talk about Hard Knocks, the foreshadowing and how much foreshadowing there was in Hard Knocks. There's something telling about what Corey Davis said in one of the episodes, and this might not have even been hard knocks. This might have been on one Jets drive, and we'll we'll actually talk about the difference between the two in a second. But on one Jets drive, I think he was sitting there with his family and his wife and his kids, and he's like, this is what it's all about. I just love hanging out here with my family being here. He looked slow. He didn't look great in practices, in any of the preseason stuff, any of the practices, joint practices, mini camps. Everyone who saw him, a lot of people who were out there said he hasn't looked great. And he said this was something he was contemplating for a long time and he announced his retirement. I hope he's good. I hope he feels good. Sometimes you just got to get away from the game for a little bit. Even Randall Cobb talked about that, that he thought once he was out of Green Bay, he thought he was done. And sometimes you need that mental break. I know it. I've been there. You need a mental break from certain things. I have never been or done anything as grueling and demanding as an NFL schedule and maintaining that kind of fitness and body and workout and staying at sometimes you have to prioritize. He's made a lot of money in his life. He's giving back 10 and a half million dollars this year to not, to not play football, to step away. That's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't made hundreds of millions like Aaron Rodgers, who just gave back 35 million, which is a ton of money too. But there's a guy who's made tens of millions of dollars in his career. So another 10 it's a significant amount of money for him, significant amount of money for anyone, even though I'm sure he's doing fine financially. I just hope we don't hear that this story comes out and there was something worse going on. This was something he was struggling with. He was away from the team for a little bit on personal absence, and the Jets said they were going to monitor the situation. They were in touch with him, and all was good. But clearly, this was something he was struggling with for a while. 
and he announced on his Instagram that he was retiring. And the Jets and Robert Salas said there's the doors open if he wants to return, if he wants to come back. They love him. I think he found a real home with the Jets. I think that team is something special. They built something special just as a culture and as a family. And I feel like if he wants back in, they would gladly have him. The wide receiver room is pretty good. This There's a misconception that it's Garrett Wilson and trash. You paid a lot of money to Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is a really good wide receiver who Aaron Rodgers was very reliant on. Do you know that in three last games last year, Randall Cobb had more production than Elijah Moore in three last games? Randall Cobb is no slouch. He wouldn't still be playing. He's only 32 years old. He wouldn't still be playing if he thought he couldn't do it anymore. He talked about contemplating retirement. We'll talk about it in a second when we talk about hard knocks, what he brings to the team from a chemistry perspective off the field. But he's also a really good receiver on the field. Obviously, he's Garrett Wilson and McCole Harmon you brought in. So that's four right there, pretty good receivers. Does this open up a spot for a guy like Brownlee who performed really well for most of training camp? Does this open up a spot along with maybe the injury that we saw in preseason to Izzy Abanaconda? Does this open up a spot to keep Bam Knight at least for now so you don't have to cut him or put him on the practice squad, buys you some time? Does the $10 million in cap space now open up a spot for you to go try and make one last-ditch effort to find someone to shore up the left side of that offensive line. There's a lot of different things that this could mean for the team. But for Corey Davis on a personal and professional level, I wish him the best of luck and hope he's doing all right and him and his family. And it's truly what it is that he just wants to spend more time with his wife and his kids. And hopefully that is the case for Corey Davis. I believe it is probably. I don't think he would lie about that, but uh, I just hope all is good. Now I mentioned... Hard Knocks, we're going to talk about Hard Knocks right after this. All right, so Hard Knocks and One Jets Drive. There's a difference between the two. It's a big difference between the two. And they started to blend together a little bit on this last episode. And it frustrated me. When I watched the episode the first time through, I loved it. The second time through, I took notes. And then when I thought back about it, uh, today I was thinking about it, I kind of got upset. So... One Jets drive is exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's like a behind-the-scenes YouTube vlog. That's literally what it is. It's just random behind-the-scenes videos of Jets fluff, propaganda, whatever you want to call it, building up the Jets, Jets excitement. And Jet fans eat it up. They love it because, like I said earlier, they're starving for positivity, for content that's positive there's so much negative talk around the jets in the media and just them playing football is negative jets content have you watched this team play the last 10 years in particular they have the longest playoff drought in sports currently with the sabers after the kings made the playoffs this past year so there's a lot of negative surrounding the jets so jet fans are looking for something positive so they don't hate one jets drive but you won't find anything negative on it and a lot of it there's no like real storylines it's kind of it's super random like it feels really random. Like, okay, here's a behind the scenes video of the Jets at practice. Now here's a behind the scenes video of one of the Jets in his home. Now here's a beside. 
maybe there's less narration than there is in Hard Knocks. I can't put my finger on it, but it just feels more random. It feels like there are more stories. And what Hard Knocks did so well in this episode, in episode three, was foreshadowing. Now, I was watching this episode, and I was thinking to myself, if I were the creators of Hard Knocks and the NFL films, I'd be furious with the Jets. I think the lack of access that the Jets have given, I think they've guarded more than Hard Knocks maybe thought they would be a guarding and I'd be furious. I would just, it's, it's almost not worth it, but let's talk about the episode and then we'll get to that. Let's start with the foreshadowing. The number one thing you saw this with Randall Cobb and obviously the jets knew what's coming on hard knocks because the day before or earlier in the day when hard knocks came out on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers has a press conference and he says, I know Cobby said, you know, hey, eight's gonna gonna blow up at some point. So clearly Rogers watches the episodes before the episodes air, right? Because earlier in the day, Cobb says at a practice, he's surrounded by a bunch of wide receivers. He's like, You guys are making mistakes. We're making mistakes all over the place. 12's gonna pop one day. He's not gonna take it anymore. He's not gonna be able to handle it. Now, now he's all being nice and everything. Rogers disputed it. I'm calling bullshit on Aaron Rodgers, though. I don't believe you, buddy. I, I think you will snap. I've seen you. And I've seen you in this season, in this preseason, yelling about things on the sideline. Don't tell me you're not the fiery guy, fiery competitor, because you still are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Rodgers wants to come off as, no, I'm this lovey-dovey guy. I'm, I don't care. But the funny part to me when I watch that scene, and we'll talk about what it was foreshadowing in a second, as Cobb's talking to the receivers, saying Rodgers needs to trust you. Rodgers needs to find a trust. Otherwise, he's not going to throw it to you. If he can't trust that you'll be in that spot, he doesn't like throwing interceptions is one of the things he said. So if he can't trust that you'll be there, he's just not going to throw the ball to you. So one of the things when Rodgers was first coming to the Jets, and this is what Hard Knocks would have done if Hard Knocks was allowed to, they would have shown the drama. They would have talked about the media. And one of the clips they would have played was Craig Carton, who likes to run his mouth. One of our my former colleagues who now works for Fox Sports. And I have a special relationship with him. He doesn't know about it so much. <laughs> but I, he has a special place in my heart because he's the reason I wanted to do this. And he actually was the first one who I reached out to. And he sent me an email back. So if you don't like him, I'm sorry, but I I had somewhat of a relationship with him and he holds a special place in my heart because I wouldn't be doing this for a living. I wouldn't have this career for one for him. So that's just a side on Craig. But Craig always talked about Rodgers has this wish list. He's coming to the Jets with this wish list. Who are you, Aaron Rodgers? I don't want him and his wish list. He wants Randall Cobb, who's old. We can't have that. Well, guess what, Craig? Aaron Rodgers and his wish list. How's that going for you? You have a guy who not only was his most reliable target in Green Bay and Alan Lazard over the last couple of years, and he's going to be there on a daily basis to help be the security blanket. Talked about the third and tens under pressure. I'm sure Garrett Wilson will get there, and we'll get to that in a second. But for now, it's Alan Lazard. He's that guy that he trusts. For years, it was Randall Cobb. So Randall Cobb, bringing him in to teach these guys how to get to that point with Rodgers. And then later it shows Garrett Wilson 
becoming that guy. Garrett Wilson is becoming Rodgers' go-to guy. And what did he say in the press conference? He says, Lazard and Cobb are the ones who taught me, who helped me. They're like extra translators from Rodgers speak to what I need to know so that I can be the best, so I can be ready for game day, so I can take that next step with the team. So Rodgers can rely on me, so Rodgers can trust me. This is so important for the Jets to have a guy like Randall Cobb there. And I'm telling you, Garrett Wilson is becoming that guy every day. And it's worth every dime to pay a guy like Cobb and Alan Lazard and bring them in. Were they positions of need necessarily? Well, now that we know Corey Davis retired and they traded Elijah Moore, yeah, I guess they were areas of need. At the time when they acquired them, no, not really. But it's worth it. That's why you bring those guys in. So you talk about a wish list. Rodgers doesn't have a wish list because he's LeBron and he just wants to be comfortable where he's going. And he's bringing James Jones along with him to sit on the bench and not play. He's bringing guys that are going to make this team better because Rodgers wants to win, that are going to make the transition smoother. So whether it's Nathaniel Hackett or Randall Cobb or Alan Lazard, this is why these guys are here. Now... There was also a scene right after this where the former Jets are there, Mark Sanchez and Braylon Edwards. First of all, when was the last time you had Jets from that era at a Jets practice? It's just you don't see it anymore. There's a buzz around this team. My father talked about all the celebrities and Darrell Rivas showing up, and he's like, it's too positive, it's too much. I agree with him in a sense, but former Jets feeling like they want to come back and be a part of something special and taking pride in the franchise. So Damian Woody at practice also. That's something new. That's awesome. That's that's something that is because they're building the team the right way. And you saw Rodgers is talking to those guys and he's saying, yeah, Garrett is so special. Garrett Wilson is so special. And they showed an interesting montage in the hot take king, I guess you want to call him. Sean Marash said on Twitter, he's like, why in all those throws are kind of a little, just a little bit behind Garrett Wilson or they're just a little bit off? Because that's literally what Rodgers said. He said, he's so quick that sometimes I throw it a little bit behind him. Or if I make a not perfect throw, he adjusts and makes a great catch. So they showed a montage of throws that were either a drop behind or not great throws and Garrett Wilson making up for it. We know that Rodgers, it's so funny when you think about like guys want to spread the ball, but I was just watching... Tom Brady in the 28 to three game in that comeback. He's throwing it over and over again to Edelman because that's who he trusts when they desperate. Yeah. Brady wants to throw the ball and spread it around as much as possible. But when I'm deep in it and I need a 25 point comeback in the Super Bowl, I'm going to throw it to the guy I trust most over and over and over again. Aaron Rodgers needs that guy. Whether it was Jordy Nelson, whether it was Randall Cobb, whether it was, Devontae Adams, and whether now it can be Garrett Wilson, and it looks like it's becoming that guy. And this whole episode, throughout the episode, it starts with the foreshadowing, with Cobb talking to the receivers, continues with Garrett Wilson at his press conference, and then Rodgers eventually talking about Garrett Wilson to the former Jets, to Braylon Edwards. You realize, okay, this is going. This is the story they're trying to tell. I told you that Hard Knocks does such a great to- job of telling stories. That's a story. They're telling the story of Garrett Wilson blossoming into the security blanket for Aaron Rodgers and the number one receiver we've seen him have throughout his career. Rodgers said something really interesting about Garrett Wilson. 
just to stay on this topic for a minute. He said he's the difference in this practice. Everyone talked about the first practice against Carolina, the joint practice, where the Jets struggled and everyone blamed the offensive line. Robert Sala rips into the offensive line. This is terrible. This is our first op, blah, 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 blah. We played it a couple episodes ago. You go back and listen or you go watch episode two of Hard Knocks, a famous Robert Sala rant yelling at the offensive line and how bad they've been. So when I tell you that Garrett Wilson becoming the security blanket is so important, don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. How did we start this episode? We started this episode talking about Dwayne Brown, talking about the offensive line and how bad it's been and how this could spiral the team. This could derail the entire season. But having Garrett Wilson makes the difference, makes all the difference in the world. And that's what Rodgers talked about. You heard Will talk about the difference. The O-line looked much better against Tampa than it looked against Carolina. Will Parkinson said that on this podcast a couple days ago. Well, Aaron Rodgers said, you know why the offensive line was so much better? Because Garrett Wilson gets open in a split second. There's a scene where he comes up to Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, and goes, I don't understand. Why are they not covering me? So you don't need a great offensive line. Now, I said there's still going to be situations where it's third and 10 and you need to make a throw. But that's what that special connection is for. Rodgers can release the ball earlier than he has to because he knows Garrett Wilson's going to be there. And you don't need as much time when you have that kind of trust and relationship with the guy. So that developing ultimately can save the offensive line, can turn the offensive line from, oh, we have a 38-year-old quarterback. We need a top five offensive line in the league to, no, because of the weapons we have, offsetting it with the run and this guy, Garrett Wilson, and the connection he has with Aaron Rodgers, we'd be fine with the number 15 or number 18 offensive line in the league as long as we're not bottom 10. That could be a huge difference. The next thing, and I foreshadow this a little bit, but they show Robert Sala's speech to the team. It's so interesting to see the development of Robert Sala. Episode one is a motivational speech. Starts it starts with a motivational speech, the crow, the eagle, that whole thing. Episode two, he reams the offensive line, rips into them. And in episode three, he almost combines the two. I'm going to motivate you, and I'm going to tell you how to be better at the same time. I'm going to kind of, kind of dig at the offensive line again. And bring it all together. And it kind of was the progression from episode one through episode three of Robert Sala, the head coach. And I love this. This is one of my favorite speeches I've heard. Because he talked about the four levels of competitors. The four different types of competitors. And I can speak, and probably a lot of people can't. In my life, I've been each one of these four types of competitors. He said the bottom of the barrel, the worst of the worst is survivors. Do the bare minimum. Do anything you can to survive. I know times in my life where you're just not feeling it and you're just trying to get by. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to do things to get to the next day to keep you going. So whether it's do the bare minimum at practice to make sure I make the team, whether it's do the bare minimum in the workout room, study room so I could get by, you're a survivor. Then the level above that is contenders. These are people who are motivated by external factors. These are people who are motivated, whether it's money, fame. This is, those are the examples he gave. Whether it's trying to impress someone, the coach, someone in your personal life. But the second those factors fall away, and I've been there in life where, okay, I do this because I'm motivated by X. 
when X goes away, everything crashes. You're back to zero and you don't do anything. Then he said level two is a competitor. Competitors are really great. Competitors are self-motivated. They do it for themselves. They want to prove it to themselves. They're hungry. They're always pushing for more. They're fighting for more. They're self-motivated. They don't need anything to motivate them. And so because they're self-motivated and honest with themselves, they push harder than anyone. They keep pushing. Even if things aren't going their way, they continue to push and persevere through everything. And being a competitor is an incredible thing. But there's one thing better than being a competitor, and that's being a commander. I can't honestly say I said I've been in all four places in my life. I don't know if I've ever been a commander. I'd like to think I have been at points in my life. But a commander is everything a competitor is. But the only thing on top of it is they elevate everyone around them. They bring people with them. Damn, that was awesome. It's such a fucking awesome speech that he gave to the team. And it's a perfect analogy. And then he says, the offensive line, you guys were guests at the party. But the defense, they were the commanders. They brought you along with them. Now we're all here together. Defense, thank you for showing up. Offense, thank the defense for being there for you. Now let's all blossom into competitors, but not only that, commanders helping each other grow. And you know what he said when he was talking about this speech? One of the things that was so just jumped out to me was he said, this is a culture we've been building, Joe and I, for the last three years, finding guys who are competitors and commanders and bringing them together for the last three years. Aaron Rodgers doesn't just show up to a place because this is where he wants to go and the culture changes. Aaron Rodgers is the cherry on top. He elevates everything. But he only goes there. He only shows up because of something they were building for three years. The head coach, the general manager who still hasn't been shown, Joe Douglas, them together for the last three years have been building a culture, building a way of doing things. And when you build it the right way, when you build it, he will come. Aaron Rodgers shows up and now takes it over the top to the next level. But this is not just, oh, Aaron Rodgers showed up. Everyone wants to paint. Rodgers showed up and now they're great. They built a foundation of a defense. They built a foundation of skill position players. And they built a foundation of a culture of hard work, dedication, just Good. They have such great character in that room. And you credit Joe Douglas and you credit Robert Sala. I mentioned they don't show any of Joe Douglas in it. It just makes you think what else they're like, what else they're censoring, right? The canceled practice. Every other hard knocks would have had a clip of Tiggy Barber saying, the Jets cancel practice for blank and then show for, for the reason that Robert Sala is not there and then show Robert Sala actually being there and would have showed a behind the scenes of them canceling the practice. In 2010 Hard Knocks, there were scenes of the general manager and Rex Ryan sitting together in a room and having private conversations about contract negotiations, about everything. Think about when they brought in Dalvin Cook. There was barely any mention of it. It's like, oh, they brought in Dalvin Cook. Great. Which running back's going to get cut? Yeah, that's a story. But what happened? There was a whole gap. It was like he was there, and then there was a week and a half of silence. What was the negotiation like? What was he looking for? What were they up against? What were they trying to do? Why are we not in on those? And I just hate it. It was at that point that I just became pissed off with this. That I was like, it's such a puff piece. So every Jets fan on Jets social media can go 
talking like, yo, I love this. I love Quinn and Williams. He's so funny. Ha ha ha. I love the rookie show. It was great. Jets fans are hungry and desperate for things to love. I get it. And my point is that there's things to love in here, but this isn't hard knocks. This is just a puff piece. There's things that we know they're holding out. Like I mentioned, the Sala story, Dalvin Cook. So if we know they're holding certain things out like that, Corey Davis, that would be a huge story. His deliberation, what went down, his conversation with Sala Douglas, if he had one, what was that conversation? Right? Or if they were taken caught off guard by it. There, I'm sure there was a conversation between Sala and Joe Douglas. We're not going to see any of it because the Jets are censoring everything. But if they're censoring that, that tells me that there's other things that they're censoring too and they could be negative things too and that's what scares me. I don't know. Once we're on negative topics about this, I'm so done with Woody Johnson. I saw so many posts on Twitter today of Woody Johnson wearing the stupid iced up diamond Woody necklace that he bought himself and people going nuts. That's my owner. Your owner should not be there. He should be sitting Oh my God, my camera fell because I'm banging on the table. That's a little slanted. I'm not going to cut that out because, you know, things happen. You got to adapt and survive. And I, I just want you guys to see the full unfiltered me. This is me, warts and all. <laughs> um, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not watching it, and you're super confused right now, just go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. It's a great channel. And then you'll see exactly what I was talking about. So there's a reason alone to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, in-flight snack on YouTube. Now, where was I? I hate Woody Johnson. That's where I was. He shouldn't be involved. He shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be part of practices. He has nothing to do with his team. You're the owner. Stay out of it. You hire the football people and you stay out of it. And all the... Players fake cheering for him. Ah, it's so cool. What do you bought yourself a necklace with more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime? I just hate it. I don't know how much diamond necklaces like that cost. I assume a lot. I'm sick of it. Now, what I did love, Quinn and Williams. I just made fun of Jet fans and Jet media for eating it up, but I get it. This guy is such a competitor, and he's unexpectedly quiet off the field. He's funny, got that bubbly personality, but he's not a self-promoter. And then when he's on the field, he turns it on, and he's all of a sudden this fierce, fiery competitor. That's the personality. That's the character they're talking about. He's funny when the cameras are, quote, off, right? Because they're never really off. That's when he's really funny. Like him talking about how Mike Evans called him fat. He's like, do I look fat? I thought I lost weight this offseason. It's so funny. And then when the fight breaks out, he walks up to Mike Evans and goes, dude, you call me fat? <laughs> I mean, that is, that's when he's really funny. But then he's such a fierce campaign. He's talking about, I'm him. I'm going to have blah, 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 the sacks and all that stuff. And Salah comes over to him after one play and he's like, you're such a competitor. I love it. And Quinn and Williams goes to him. And this I loved so much. Great foreshadowing also by Hard Knocks. He says, I want to be a commander. Dude, I bust a nut when I watch that. I literally bust a nut, cried, and laughed at the same time because I was so excited. 
That means this guy cares so much. He listened. He took the notes in the meeting and he was thinking about it later at a practice that you're a competitor, which is a great thing, which was what Salah's retort was. But he's like, no, I want to be better. I want to be a, a commander. I want to make everyone around me better. And not only that, not only does he care so much, Quinnen, but it also tells you that Salah's message is hitting home. Robert Sala, you wonder if if the message is hitting home, if these guys respond to him, if he's just corny. We know we love Rex, but the message is hitting home. If Quinnen Williams, who's the best player on your team, arguably, is quoting back what Salah said in the meeting to him, and saying, I want to be that, that means the message is hitting him. That means these guys care. And that means the character and what they've been building for three years, like they talked about, is working. It means that it's not just a message that showed up today and now that the cameras are on. Some people said, is some of this such as just a, a show for hard knocks? If it was a show for hard knocks, they'd be ignoring him. They'd be laughing at him like, oh, this message is not going to hit home. But no, this has been three years of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas building and putting a message out there and now you're seeing the fruits now you're seeing it come together i don't know if robert sal is any good at coaching x's and o's and handling a clock or any of that stuff i lean he's one of the bottom half of the league in doing that but these guys care and they play for him they don't want to upset him when he does yell at them it hits them hard and when he motivates them they are motivated. It's really hard to take a room of 53 grown men and motivate them and make them want to be better than they are, especially guys who are all alphas and all A-type personalities who are already so fierce and so competitive. It's hard to take them to the next level. Robert Sala and Joe Douglas found a group of guys that are capable and open to becoming and want to be brought to that next level. And Robert Sala is a guy who's capable of doing that and taking them there. And that's what's awesome. Just some uh, a funny moment. Speaking of Sala, his kid playing catch with Aaron Rodgers and punching him. I don't think he realizes that there are so many people in the world who would kill to play catch with Aaron Rodgers. And there's a whole nother sect of people, mostly in Chicago, who would kill to punch Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so this kid did that in one practice, did both those things. Um, just a couple other foreshadowing that I noticed from the beginning, right? The, the guy who says Carcucci board is Tenzel Smart, who's fighting for a spot on the team. So that's more foreshadowing. They, they make you fall in love with him already from episode one. And now in episode three, you're seeing he's not great. And there's a full, there's a stacked defensive front. He might not make the team. Jerome Cap. This is one of the best moments where the whole team is going nuts as he's doing Slim Shady. He's doing the rap, the Eminem rap from 8 Mile, which was really good. He killed it. I actually DM'd him on Twitter afterwards. I was like, dude, that was fucking awesome. And he wrote back. He's like, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. So it's cool that he wrote back. He seems like a cool guy. Um, maybe we'll follow up. Maybe that'll be a budding relationship between me and Jerome Cap. Have him on the pod. Yeah, for sure. And then is he at Bonaconda? All that they talk about, they they build him up. You know, Dalvin Cook is coming here, blah blah blah. Again, they didn't really talk about it that much, and I'm kind of pissed about that. Kills the show, and like I said, I'm sure the NFL isn't happy either. Even though it's getting a positive response, like that's the crazy part. Like I just hold Hard Knocks to a different standard. Like it's still getting a positive response. People like it. I just hold it to a different standard personally, and 
you know, they're showing Lavon Conley gets in the game and he's fighting for that last running back spot, which he'll make, by the way. That's also why it's stupid. Like, he's going to get that spot because he's a rookie. You're not cutting a rookie fifth round. It just financially doesn't make sense. Now, they might still be able to keep Bam Knight because Lavon Conley gets hurt in the game. And speaking of the game, this, we get to the game and this was great because all the talking on the sideline, they start talking about how all the starters are starting next week. You know what that tells me? Again, the same thing. We found out about it on Sunday morning. But by Saturday afternoon, everyone on the team already knew that sun, that the following week they're starting. Which tells you this wasn't a leak. This wasn't a reactionary thing that the Jets did in reaction to the offensive line, not getting enough time to practice together. This is what we said. Maybe they're, they're panicking and so they're starting Rodgers. No, they're starting everyone. And Quentin Williams' reaction is so cool. He reacts like a kid. He's like, what? We're starting the big guy, eight. That was just awesome. He, he reacted the way every fan reacted to Rodgers getting the start. And Salah said, he said, yeah, this was the plan. We want them to feel the stadium. We want to get the cohesion together. It also tells you that there was a plan in place, that this was a conversation that was had. And something interesting is, you talk about Rodgers' press conference on Tuesday. He said, I was going to ask Robert if I could start, but he came to me first and we talked about it. There's communication, there's competence, there's a plan, there's direction. This is such a departure from past Jets teams. I don't think non-Jets fans can truly comprehend and understand. This would have been such a thing where it leaked out that he's starting, so now we have to start him, but we were thinking about starting him because the offensive line has been in shambles and we need to... No, this was premeditated. This was the plan all along. We've seen Josh Allen, we've seen Patrick Mahomes, we've seen guys starting in preseason like... Will said on my podcast a couple of episodes ago or last episode, a couple of days ago. This was part of the plan. This was in place. And it was Rogers was on board with it. Joe Douglas was on board with it and Robert Sala. And together they came up with a cohesive unit with a plan of action. And that's how it should be. It just hasn't been like that for so long in this organization. It's so great to finally see it. Um, at, again, this also, when Rogers says that he was going to ask Robert about starting and Robert came to him first, tells you that Salah's still the boss. There's all that speculation. Oh, is Rogers the boss? Is Salah the boss? No, Rogers is still the boss. Salah, I, rather, is still the boss. He's still the head coach. He still makes the decisions. Rogers was going to ask him, but Salah got him first. It's a good thing. Get out in front of it. So it's crazy how just seeing this episode and seeing the press conference from Rogers and everyone's story lining up and maybe there's things that they're hiding. Maybe, I don't know, but seeing everything line up tells you that this is the right decision. I feel so much better two days later about Rogers starting against the giants. Than I did two days ago. Am I still scared? He's going to get hurt behind that offensive line. Yes, but it tells me, remember what I asked will was, is the reason they're starting him also the reason I should be most nervous, meaning they're starting him because of the offensive line. Now it's like, no, they're not starting him because of the offensive line. They're starting him, and it happens to be it's an opportunity to gel with the offensive line. It makes me feel so much better that this isn't a move that's about the offensive line. It, it won't hurt the offensive line, but it's not about that, and that tells me that, okay, don't be so scared about him getting hurt. He might still get hurt, but don't be so scared of it. So, speaking of the offensive line, just a couple of things. Um, Rodgers, 
loves the veterans, right? When he talked about Titman, I was surprised he was getting snaps going back to press conference from last week. Remember when Belichick and Tomlin conspired to jump over the Jets in the draft after the Jets traded back a couple of picks and they picked the offensive lineman the Jets wanted to take? I don't know if that offensive lineman necessarily would have even had a starting role on this team. As crazy as that is, a first-round offensive lineman, it would have been tough for him to find a role on this team and Rodgers to trust him just because he's a rookie. Rodgers likes his veterans, so maybe ultimately that's a blessing in this, guys. You have another edge rusher in Will McDonald who looks like he's going to be really good, and you don't have to worry about trying to place and plug in a, a rookie that Rodgers would be frustrated to work with. Um, so that's, again, week by week, I get more and more drawn into this team. Week by week, I get more and more drawn in to the Jets. And if they want to tear my heart out at the end and make me die, ugh, they've done it so many times before. What's one more time? That's truly how I feel with the New York Jets. So that's what I have. I think this episode of Hard Knocks frustrated me in a certain way like you heard but also made me really excited about this football season i can't wait for it to start i feel like we're talking so much we've had five episodes already just fluff and i've fielding requests by the way to have my father on once a week that could happen we could make that happen i was also feeling requests for people to come on i'm gonna work on doing potentially doing voicemails for the podcast i'd love to do that to have people on and give their opinion uh fan feedback especially once the games start quick voicemails to play and I can react to them. We'll figure out how to do that as well. So that's the plan moving forward. Voicemails, maybe my father on once a week if people like that uh, during season or maybe once every other week, just something. And I'm ready for games. I'm tired of talking about all the fluff around it. I'm excited. I'm growing more excited. I'm very cautiously optimistic. I'm a little bit nervous. But yeah, today was an odd day. Corey Davis retires. Dwayne Brown comes back. But it can't, can't break my spirit about this team right now. I'm going to approach this season from a positive perspective and try and enjoy it until the wheels come off. Which they might. They probably will eventually. But even just making the playoffs, just snap that streak would be such a huge win. I don't want to set the expectations at the bar that low, but that's the bar. That's the bar. It's a standard that this team has dug themselves into for the last 12 years. And so digging themselves out of it, it's not going to happen in one day, but it feels like they've been building. This isn't just Rodgers showed up. This is three years in the making, like they said, with Joe Douglas. And I hope, even if this year does not go perfectly, I hope they allow Joe, maybe Salah can go, but I hope they allow Joe and Rob to continue to build what they've built. That's my number one takeaway from the Hard Knocks episode three. As always, like, subscribe, share the podcast with a friend. If you have a Jets fan friend, share it with them. This is going to be the newest, hottest Jets podcast. Everyone's going to want to listen to this. So share it with the people you know and love and will enjoy it. And until next time, I'm feeling snacky. What do I got to do, Rex? Let's go to eat a damn snack. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.